Today's show is sponsored by Cufflinks.com. Of course, Cufflinks.com slash DVR. Go there today. Elevate your style when you walk out the door in the morning. Look good, feel good. Go to Cufflinks.com. Use code ENDGAME30 to get 30% off all Marvel merchandise leading up to Avengers Endgame, baby. That's right, Endgame30. Cufflinks.com slash DVR. Don't forget, Podcast Winterfell, we're going to be giving away a Hand of the Queen or Hand of the King pin every week on our live call-in show. Cufflinks.com slash DVR. Check it out. Welcome back to Podcast Winterfell. Today we've got a very special guest, a little bit of a podcast team up here, Joe Caparosa, owner, editor, writer, podcaster at TurnOnTheJets.com. You all know, uh, if you listen to Daily DVR, I had on Dalbin Osario, who is Joe's teammate over there on Turn On The Jets. And for those of you who listen to Daily DVR, you know I'm a huge Jets fan. And uh, I just wanted to give Joe a chance to talk a little Game of Thrones and have him on the show. Also, Joe, as a way to say a thank you to you for all the great podcasts that you do, I always like it when I hear people... Like when a sports person does some TV or we switch around. You let me talk about the Jets uniforms on one of your podcasts, so I appreciated that. Um, but I appreciate having you on the show. Welcome to the show, buddy. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Happy to join. That's awesome. So tell us a little bit about who you are and turn on the Jets, and then we'll get into Game of Thrones. Sure. I've been uh, I've been writing about the Jets since uh, I've been in, I think, about a freshman in high school at a, a variety of different sites. Uh, when I finished up with college, I started writing for Turn on the Jets, right at the time was part of a wider podcast network, uh, not a podcast network, a, a wider blog network um, that eventually closed down. But I was able to maintain my domain and kind of keep building it since then. And uh, it's not it's been a fun thing to kind of contribute to and watch grow over the years. We have a, you know, a range of social media podcasts and article content day to day. I really used what I did at turn on the jets to get my actual full-time job, which is uh, here with whistle sports where I work in social media and video content. I've been here for about five years now, but turn on the jets has always been a really fun side hustle for me and something that we've had a lot of great contributors towards. So I've written and talked about the Jets more than any human being probably ever should over the past decade, uh, but it's been a fun ride, and I made a lot of fun connections through doing it. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, I talked a little bit with Dalbin. I've been podcasting for about 10 years since April. I think my first podcast was April 2008, um, and uh, I have been listening to them since they started, and it's only in the past since you guys have been doing it and like John B over at Locked On Jets that these sports podcasts actually last season on our podcast network, we did a show called um, How About Them Cowboys, where a couple a guy who I podcast with here, Heath, and another dude, Chris, uh, talked about the Cowboys. But I just love what you all have been able to create a whole network of people that you know, because it's kind of like, I don't know, TV jumped on it really quick and people were covering TV shows like almost right away. And I was always waiting for 
like daily sports stuff to happen. And now it's like, I mean, you guys do, you're like us, like during a game of Thrones season, we'll drop, like, we'll just do like emergency podcast. I mean, last, when Le'Veon Bell got signed and all this jet stuff happened, you guys, you, there was like three podcasts a day you were doing. <laughs> there's always a way and a reason. And there's always something to podcast about, particularly <laughs> this time of the year. Honestly, our busiest time for the year are free agency and the draft, uh, much more so than the season. Uh, the season you could kind of get in a consistent rhythm week to week with free agency in the draft. It's just like saturation for those like one or two week windows around it. And those are when we see the most interest and the most traffic. So we always got to be ready to be really reactive at that time of the year. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like uh, us kind of now heading into game of Thrones. We're a little less than a month away from the final season. And I know you're a fan. Now you said you've read the first three books have, do you read the other books like Fire and Blood and Ice and Fire and all that kind of stuff too? I'm not. So I basically, after the first season, which I loved, I, I took the time and I basically like ripped through all three, the first three books in the series. I think I finished the third one basically timing up with when the third season of the show had actually finished. And around that, you know, you kind of dig deep into all these different you start reading reviews of the podcast. I mean, sorry, reviews of the, the TV show. Then yeah. you read reviews of the books. And then you read like all the other different fan sites and theories. And there was just such a negative, I don't know. I kept reading a lot of like negative reviews and negative thoughts on the fourth and fifth book that I never really took the time to dive into it. And I was like, you know what? Let me just go down the path with the TV show first. And then when the show's over, I could go back and, you know, read the fourth or fifth book. And it's been a while now, obviously. And I've just pushed through, you know, with the show and reading, you know, reviews of the show and the other different theories around it. I would like to eventually read the fourth and fifth. And if he ever actually writes it, uh, the sixth and, you know, seventh book. But I did very much enjoy the first three books. And I thought you could really get two very different experiences from reading the book and enjoying the show. They certainly weren't mutually exclusive and, you know, I think getting a different experience and some of the different changes that happened, I, I didn't find it as problematic because I just think they're very different experiences consuming those two different types of media. Dude, I, I think that you have just very succinctly explained the way I felt the whole time and I think kind of the way um, people who podcast on Winterfell have felt about it is it's two separate experiences because there has been – you know, they're and heading into the final season, you bring up a great point too, because you get I already see it being a podcaster and being kind of inside this world. You know what I mean? Um, you see a lot of people who live this this fandom all the time and they go to the conventions and it's really all about the books and the TV show is kind of just like a like fan fiction to them, you know? <laughs> They'll call it yeah. that. Um, no, no. I know like it, there's a big culture or I guess yeah. a big culture of book readers being disappointed or, or frustrated with some of the decisions the show has made, particularly in recent years. And you know, I think at a certain point, you know, the show has moved so far beyond the books and the books have taken so long to be published that I you know, I hate I think it's a shame, obviously, if someone who loved this franchise well before it became a show is not gonna kind of ride with it through to the end uh, just because they're not thrilled with some of the creative decisions that were made, you know, in some of these final se uh, seasons. And obviously these guys are in a unique spot. I mean, this is really the last 
appointment viewing TV show out there. Everything else is sort of binge watch or not really consumed at the same time. This is the last show that it's event television. I don't know if we'll ever have another show again, honestly, like this when it goes away. Yeah, that is a fantastic point. And in many ways, the only thing that brings us that now on TV is sports, right? Or like in a, uh, an award show, or unfortunately, if something bad happens and we all have to look at the news, you know, and people are watching that. But you're, you make a great point that going into this final season, that's kind of the decree we made. You know, I love the book stuff. Um, I haven't read them all. I've listened to a bunch of it. I know a lot of it having been doing this podcast and all the lore and all that kind of stuff. I just see it as two separate things and I try to enjoy both of them. And actually I'm rewatching now and covering it here on podcast Winterfell and having spent most of this off season reading and listening to the books, not rewatching until this point, I can see such a stark difference that it actually makes me enjoy the show more and the book more because you appreciate them for what they are. You know, and you can appreciate that going in that this is going to be an appointment television. Everybody's going to be gathering on Sunday and it's like a, a movie every week we're going to be watching. You know, it's just going to be amazing, man. So I want to get into it a little bit. Tell me a little bit about some of your favorite stuff. What is who's your favorite character to start off? Who do you kind of align with or do you think is is kind of your entrance into this world? I mean, picking a single character is obviously challenging. I loved Tywin in the early seasons. I thought the way he was acting, the way he was acted and the way he commanded the screen on the scenes that he was in up until, of course, he was shot while down on the uh, ball was uh, always, every scene he was in was just, you were glued to the screen. And I thought he really dominated uh, when he was out there, I think for someone who's still around, staying within the same family, like many other people, I love Tyrion and I uh, think he's been consistently very entertaining. Uh, and all of his arcs have been, there hasn't been any duds with the different arcs uh, that he's been pushed through. So those two are the first two names that, that always kind of come to mind for me. Uh, with Ty, with Tywin really jumping to the top, I mean, I know I'm sure popular answers are you know, John or Daenerys or, but I've always kind of skewed toward those two Lannister characters as being the most entertaining and bringing scenes that kind of pack the most punch. Man, I, I think one of the greatest um, scenes in the show that isn't a big action scene or is just someone talking is when Tywin is breaking down that big deer or, or steer or whatever yeah, like it is it out the field yeah yeah while he's talking to jamie about honor and family and all that kind of stuff and he's literally like really cutting it down while and it just shows the visceral nature of this show and that character is something entering into this final season and i want to try to ask a little bit about what you think this end game is i almost wish how fun would it be to see like Tywin stare down the Night King or something? He just wouldn't even care, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's by the way the kind of personality he had. But yeah, I mean, I think you always wonder like they've lost a decent amount of characters. I'm sure uh, more to come in the first few episodes of this season. But you always wonder how when now when you get to these end games and these last six episodes, which all seem like they're going to be movie length, how would the different 
characters sort of react when you got to this final stakes portion of the overall series. Yeah, that would be crazy, man. Because I just imagine that Tywin would find some way to rationalize his own power and kind of this does it. I can figure this out. You know, he was just never, never backing down, always moving forward, just steamrolling everyone. Um, I do. I want to ask you this because I love having different people on the show. And one of the main questions that I think is, you know, where I'm going to ask you, who do you think is going to die, live on the, you know, sit on the iron throne, all that. But why do you think the White Walkers, having read the books and understanding that the White Walkers are more than just some amorphous evil, you know, they're not just trying to kill, kill. There's something, there's some intelligence there. There's something linked to the history with the children of the forest, with um, the battles that they had with men thousands of years before that. Why do you think the White Walkers are coming? What do you think they are? And why do you think that they're descending down and advancing on Westeros? I think it's a great question. And I think you have to be a little probably steeped into the history of the entire world and the mythology of the show to really get to the core of what the answer is. I do think there's there has to be some sort of bigger element that they're working towards. It's not just this sort of massive death that's just trying to wipe out everything. I think it's in some way going to be tied to trying to settle the score or what was finished or finish what was started when there was that long initial war that brought in uh, the long night. I mean, they show that scene of the children of the forest stabbing that guy in the chest and bringing him into the first white Walker. So whether it's getting some type of revenge around that or the night King seeking somebody he had had a relationship with when he was actually a human in some way, I think there has to be something that they're working towards getting uh, because they're clearly being strategic in the way that they're marching on. And I think there's probably going to be a multi-front war against them. And we got to try to figure out why are they going, where they are going and when are they going there? I'm sh- I don't know if it's trying to find something or revert uh, the spell that was initially put over them or trying to, again, rectify some type of relationship that he had had. But I do think that's sort of one of the big unanswered questions along who ultimately is going to win and sit on the throne. And that question is probably more important because the throne doesn't really matter if everybody's killed by a walking zombie. <laughs> that's exactly what I think. I mean, um, I think you ask people because when you do ask who's going to sit on the throne and HBO, you know, they have to do the marketing for the throne. But uh, we've all seen like Danny's vision and um, Bran actually had a similar vision of uh, the throne kind of in tatters and the whole throne room destroyed um, that it doesn't really matter who's king. That's like kind of like John's been saying the whole time. I'm just worried about being alive, you know? Um, But you bring up a great point, Joe. I had never really thought too much about like the Night King try like leading this army because he was trying to somehow settle a debt from when he was a human. That's really a fascinating idea. Now, I know that there's history and lore that doesn't actually really make sense when you line it up because there's some thought that long ago, maybe a Stark was the Night King, right? But that was actually after the wall was built. So that would mean that they he was a later, 
you know, George does a lot of that fudging of history as happens in the real world too, right? Like history is told by the victors and oftentimes it doesn't quite make sense to when you look at it. Um, yeah. That's a really great thought. Did you, what a, I kind of want to try to expand on that because I'd never considered that, but I, I really like that. I feel like at some point we'll get a, a bigger fleshing out of, I guess what you would call is like kind of the Night King's backstory and where this all started again and why it's kind of being resurrected at this point. I just think they had to give more context into the deep history of the series. And I think they'll have the flexibility to do that when you have all these episodes are going to be between 80 and 90 minutes, it's basically six movies rather than six TV episodes. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. And also when you, if you're, I don't know if you're up to speed with all the thoughts um, or all the news about the prequel or, or it's, I don't, I mean, I guess it's a prequel. It's just set in this world. Um, it makes me think because it actually does take place. It's kind of the beginning of the long night, which is what this prequel is going to be. So sometimes I think to myself, I hope that we actually get these answers and they, that's not something that they're like dangling to us to, you know, like at the end of the season when people are like, hey, Dan and Dave, why wasn't there more stuff about, like you're saying, Joe, like the history of the actual guy who became the first White Walker and that scene we saw. And they're like, well, stay tuned to 2020 on HBO and you'll find out that we'll all watch that anyway, right? Of course, yeah. I mean, I think they're going to continue to spin off on this franchise. There's just too much money to be made and too much interest in the franchise. And it's such a rich universe that there's so many different stories you could build that are, you know, prequels, maybe sequels in some way, other things that could have been happening concurrently to some of the other events. It, it's kind of like a, there's an endless amount of money and franchises that could, could kind of continually be built off this. Yeah, most definitely. So what do you think is going to happen in the end? We're, we're, we're coming towards a final battle. It looks like um, we still, though, do have some human stuff to figure out between Cersei and John. And I mean, one of the last things we see in season seven, and I haven't gotten there in my rewatch, but I do remember from the first time I watched it and had to watch the episode like six times in a week to podcast about it. You had that whole weird look that Tyrion gave them, and this idea that maybe Tyrion is in love with Danny. Some people even theorize, and I know this comes from the books, that maybe even Tyrion is a Targaryen too. He's a secret Targaryen and he's the son of the mad King somehow. Um, there's, there's all this human stuff going on. Is there any kind of theories you have about that human stuff or are you just looking towards that final battle? I think it's going to be really interesting to see how the season's structured. I think in looking at the trailer and then doing some, you know, reading here or there about it, I get the vibe that, There'll be some type of early season battle that goes very poorly uh, that results in sort of that like first wave of characters dying because uh, you can't keep everybody around until the end. And then it will kind of net out uh, into one final battle, either in the next to last episode or the episode that hopefully has some type of resolution that has some positive elements of it in terms of you would have to imagine that they're going to find a way to defeat 
the Night King in some way. The show's not going to end with the Night King lording over a bunch of dead people. Um, how they ultimately find a way to get that victory, I'm sure. I have a feeling that Danny's going to be pregnant. Whoever that kid ends up being uh, for Danny and John will ultimately the person ascend to be the person who will rule long term. Uh, what actually happens to Danny and John, I don't know. I don't have a feeling that both of them are going to survive the length of the show. Has has long has been theorized about. I'm sh- I would not be surprised at all to see Jamie find a way to kill Cersei at some point. I don't think there's any way Cersei's making it through the show. I think we'll see the two click two click game brothers fight at some point. Um, <laughs> when and where in the season that happens? I mean, I know those are all popular theories, and I, I do think we'll see a lot of that. I think what's going to be interesting is what are those going to what are going to be those sort of like one or two massive curveballs that nobody is predicting and nobody is expecting. Uh, what is the death that nobody's going to expect that's going to kind of come out of nowhere? Uh, and how do they handle the flow of this final season when everyone knows there's some massive battles on the way? Yeah, um, that those are I, I like all those things, and I think those are things that people talk about, but they have to get there. Um, the idea that it ends with the Night King kind of winning is something that is actually pretty appealing to me. I don't, maybe I'm a dark person, but I think it kind of fits this show or it, maybe he causes it some sort of matrix. Like I'm, I'm a fan of the sci-fi kind of loop story where maybe it's like has been said in this show. And when you look at what the white walkers are and you look at George and uh, his kind of worldviews that, and maybe in a sense, it's like almost like climate change or something like sweeping away everything and turning it to ice so it can be reborn in the fire and maybe kind of like everybody dies, you know, or they figure out some way to turn it around. Are you fascinated with Bran at all? You haven't mentioned him yet, like that kind of mystical and even the time travel aspects of it. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting to see how they're going to utilize a character like that who's so deep in sort of like the magical side of it. He's been kind of like, obviously in this weird place as he's transitioned on the character that who he is over the past few episodes or the past few seasons, really. So I think he's going to play the part, the point of sharing a lot of critical information with the main characters. You can obviously see everything that's ever happened or everything that will ever happen. So I think he feels like the logical person uh, to have to hold some keys into how to potentially be beating the White Walkers, to revealing the origins uh, of some people, and some knowing some key elements of the series' history. He kind of functions as this sort of walking database for everything that's going on in the universe. So I think how they deploy that, he's going to be a guy or a character who has a lot of different answers uh, for the main characters who will be more involved in the day-to-day action. That's an interesting idea that he's that he kind of serves as their intelligence um, rather than having a key role. Because I think there is kind of a theory of a lot of people that he's going to have like this key role of going back and changing the past or doing all that kind of stuff. But uh, I guess we'll have to see. But listen, Joe, I know that you do have to get going. Um, I appreciate the time here and hopefully we can do this again and. Uh, talk a little bit more about the Game of Thrones. I like your ideas. I want to leave you with one theory I have for you. All right? I'm ready. Okay. 
I just came up with it this week. So I want to tell everybody about it as everyone does. <laughs> what if Kyburn, the guy, you know, the, the, the mad maester who created the mountain rose him back from the dead. Perhaps this guy that we all think is creepy and mean and working for Cersei can invent or, or conjure some sort of way to stop the White Walkers from creating zombies. He, I tell you what, I mean, I've not heard that theory yet. And we talk about having some type of big curveball. Yeah. Want to the guy. Maybe that, maybe that ends up being it. Why not? I've heard crazier theories. <laughs> Here you go, a guy who, cause that's just kind of like George that I like what you're saying. The curveball is usually like something bad happening or somebody doing something that's really unexpected. So that would be cool. Well, is there anything else that you want to chat about before we go or, or any opinions you have or anything you want to say? No, unfortunately I got to run, but look, I, I would love to talk as we get a little more in the weeds of the actual season. I'm always ready to come and, uh, you know, chop it up about GOT. Thank you, man. Well, I appreciate the time. Keep rocking it at turn on the jets and uh, Le'Veon Bell is going to be the MVP of the NFL next year. God, I hope so. <laughs> All right. Take care, brother. Thank you for the time, man. Well, that was a great interview there. Great guest, Joe Caparosa from TurnOnTheJets.com. Um, I'm a huge football fan. I love the New York Jets. I've been a New York Jets fan since I was 10 years old. I became a New York Jets fan when my father took me to the Giants versus the Los Angeles Rams. Phil Sims at Giants Stadium. We sat in the upper deck uh, up uh, of giant stadium going up those spiral staircases. And um, I fell in love with football. I never even understood it up till then. I'd never really even watched a game. And I turned to my dad and I said, um, isn't there a team that ha that's green? They seem a lot cooler. And I became a Jets fan at a Giants game. That's right, people. That's right. Uh, so I love sports, uh, but I want to bring Joe on because they've actually talked about the Sopranos. If you go check out the Turn On The Jets feed, you will see that uh, Joe did a great conversation uh, about the Sopranos a couple weeks back. So I wanted to have him on and I love doing uh, the pod switches. I'm going to have another one soon. I'm going to have my friend Derek, who does the Earthrise podcast. And that is a podcast about current events, spirituality, movement, music, motion. And uh, I've known Derek for since I was 20, so 25 years. <laughs> and uh, uh, this is a lot of fun. I like getting other people's perspectives on Game of Thrones. You know, we are all insular in a way. And the internet, though it provides us an opportunity to branch out, what we often do is kind of stay to ourselves. And a lot of times, uh, you know, I have a lot of guests on that are um, talk about Game of Thrones or their other podcasters. So it's fun to have somebody totally different. You know, Joe talks about sports, you know, and now he's talking about Game of Thrones. And, and as you can hear, the dude fell right into it and he knew the perspective about the community and the final season and television and appointment television. So that was a great conversation. And, uh, thank you, Joe, for that. I really do appreciate it. 
That's all I got for you today on Podcast Winterfell. I hope you enjoyed it. I know I did. I'll be back very soon on both podcasts. We're going to keep rocking it out. Catch us at DVRpodcast.com, DVRpodcast at gmail.com. Become a patron. We just got a new one. Shout out, baby. Hamlet is dead. My boy, Bob. Coming on as a patron, getting all that goodness, that exclusivity. Thanks for listening, everybody. Peace!